日本史学習に最高にもってこいのサイトサムライアーカイブスポッドキャストへようこそ美しい自然にあふれてる縄文時代から波乱万丈な幕末まで全時代を網羅して日本史の隅から隅まで一緒に語り合いましょうでは早速日本史の世界へ Hey, welcome back to the Samurai Cast Podcast. This week we are going to continue our coverage of the rise of the warrior class.、Uh, we'll be focusing on the rise of the Minamoto and the Taida clans. Again, here with me is Nate. Hello. And Travis. Yo. And so I guess we will、uh, just jump right into the, the warrior magic. Yep, okay.、Um, well, you know, last week we talked about how. Uh, the Shoan system gave kind of rise to the、uh, dichotomy between the Insei and the,、uh, the Fujiwara, and、uh, also the rise of the minor nobility、uh, that went out to the countryside to make a name for themselves and developed their warrior bands and so forth, and,、right. and kind of the, the general rise of what, what becomes the samurai.、Uh, sort of the, 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 the bushi. Basically, starting as ad hoc armies for the provincial governors at the order of the court to essentially becoming private armies. Right. We're going to take that kind of general background that we talked about last and bring it forward、uh, into very specific as it coalesces into the Taira and the,、uh, the, the, the Minamoto. We have these, these warriors,、uh, these, uh, the, the elements you know, of, of the Taira clan, of the Minamoto clan, who, who are working in, within the system for either the,、uh, the, the Inocho, the,、uh, the cloistered emperor's office,、right. or for the Fujiwara. As, you know, in the capital, we've got these two centers, the Fujiwara and the Inocho, kind of competing against each other for political power, for、uh, Shoan estates. For all of this, and the Minamoto and the Taira are kind of using this as a ladder to climb up the,、uh, the social hierarchy.、Right. As they, they in, their, in the service of these elements、uh, of the capital, they go out and, and defeat whoever's designated the enemy at the time, and, and they get more and more lands、uh, to the point where, as we ended with the last podcast, we, we see Minamoto Yoshie. You know, able to dispense rewards to his own, to his,、uh, to his, his own followers out of his own lands. Well,、uh, probably not necessarily of his own choice at the time. He, right. Basically, since he didn't get anything from the court. Right, but the, you know. Nevertheless, the, the point that the he point was wealthy is, enough, yeah, powerful that, enough that, that he could. We、do. have warrior families, so to speak, that, are, that have developed to the point where they are wealthy and powerful enough to do this. So, where it goes from there is that. We've got warrior families, warrior personalities who they're getting land, they're getting titles, they've got the military forces, and they're getting the, you know, these offices of、uh, suibushi or、uh, oryoshi or, or even provincial governorships assigned to them. And eventually, it's going to reach the point where somebody's able to put all this together, and instead of working for the Capital power brokers, the Fujiwara and the Inocho, they're going to actually be able to challenge them. And this is where we see this in the person of、uh, Taira no Kiyomori, or Taira Kiro, Kiyomori. And how this happens is, you know, he, he's kind of the culmination of the rise of the Taira family.、Mm-hmm. Does a lot of it himself, but this, this process that we've described to this point is continuing on, continuing on. Uh, these individual warriors are, are getting more and more power, more and more prestige, 
attaining higher levels of rank in the court. All right, so we'll start with successive generations of the Taita first ingratiating themselves to the cloistered emperor uh, and rising in rank due to his patronage, and then eventually with the, uh, the third generation, Kiyomori, surpassing and, and becoming kind of this, the focus of, of the government. So the first we'll look at is uh, Masamori, Taito no Masamori, who really is the one that develops this close relationship with the, uh, the cloistered emperor by commending his holdings. So all the lands that he, uh, he had, uh, that the Taira clan had managed to uh, put together under him, he commends them to, he commends these holdings in the province of Iga to the ex-emperor Shirakawa, to the retired emperor Shirakawa. And this, like we talked about the, pro- uh, the process of commending holdings, you know, it, it's uh, giving these holdings, in essence, the authority over these holdings to the retired emperor in return for basically receiving them back. You know, it's it's essentially saying, I serve under you in return for your protection, guaranteeing that I get these holdings. So Masamori uh, does this with the Ien, the uh, emperor, Shio, uh, the ex-emperor Shirakawa, uh, and and really puts him in a position to perform various services uh, over the course of his career. Eventually, he's named uh, governor of Bizen and then other provinces in the Inland Sea region, where he develops kind of a power base. The you know as Shirakawa is competing against the Fujiwara for uh, for power within uh, the uh, within the, the Kyoto court. So then he sets the base and then his son Tadamori comes along and uh, kind of builds on it. Tadamori serves uh, Shirakawa, Horikawa, and, uh, and Toba uh, in succession. Uh, so over the course of three different retired emperors is serving. Is a, he's a provincial governor. He is prominent in suppressing uh, pirates in the Inland Sea, which we've seen uh, from the last podcast was was a, uh, a continual problem. Uh, and just like you know, the, the Minamoto are known, known for being sent to the north to subdue either uh, rebellious uh, subjects or the Imishi, this is kind of what the Taira are known for, is the, the suppressing of pirates along the Western Sea. So like the uh, pirates- Inland Sea in the west. So the pirate suppressing generalissimos. The, the pirate suppressing generalissimos. Yes, <laughs> which explains why in the eleven eighties they they are so um, uh, adept at, at fighting. You know, mar- maritime fighting. And that's right. That kind of why became they, their they niche, flee, their thing, and why they flee west. Right. Yeah. Right. Sense. However, instead of like in the past, they would send uh, subordinates out to go handle issues in the provinces. Tadamori would go out take care of. You know whatever assignment he was given, suppressing pirates or, or being the governor, but he would also return to the capital, and this allowed him to become a frequent fixture at court as well. That's exactly what you were talking about last podcast. Right. He was not just, okay, you're out in the provinces doing his thing. He was not only accomplishing these things that he was sent out to do, but he was also, his face was seen in the court, he became a regular fixture, and um, eventually... He rises in rank to become the manager uh, overall of the ex-emperor Toba's cloister headquarters, uh, the Iin Cho. He is placed in charge of the operations of the retired emperor's Mm -hmm. government, so to speak. So through these actions, he's able to attain senior fourth rank. And we talked a couple podcasts ago about the rank system within the capital. This was 
unprecedented for a member of these minor nobility families. Uh, you know, these were reserved pretty much for the Fujiwara and 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 so on, and, and you know, other families more closely tied to the actual emperor himself, um, not just descended from previous emperors like uh, the Minamoto or the Taira. So, this is we're now hitting the, the the baseline levels where somebody can really become influential in the national government, not just out in the provinces and so forth. So. Um, Tadamori, through his actions and his uh, administration of, of Toba's cloister government, uh, becomes you know attains senior fourth uh, court senior fourth rank at the court, uh, which enables his son Kiyomori, who is really the the apex of the Taira clan, to start his career at fifth rank. He doesn't have to go through all the same levels that everybody before him does. He gets to start already. Just, just by inheritance, he already starts at fifth rank. So he's already starting in the upper echelon of court strata. And are these ranks uh, high to low or low to high? In- the lower the number, the higher your rank. The okay. first rank would be the top level, mm-hmm. so to speak. That makes sense. And then, um, as we talked about before, they were subdivided. So there would be, for the upper first... And lower. For the first... Um, Four ranks. There were one, two, you know, upper and lower, and then fifth through I think eighth ranks. There were they were divided into senior, upper, senior, or you know, lower, upper, and, and, and so junior, were, yeah. yeah, junior, senior, junior, upper, and lower. So that's where Kiyomori starts out. Mm-hmm. So he's already set up for success, and this is why he's able to be the one that comes in and and really changes the way Hain court society functions. Tadamori dies in 1153, and Kiyomori succeeds him as the head of the Taira clan. Kiyomori, to this point, has had several assignments, including, most prominently, the governorship of Aki province, uh, which was a wealthy province in western Japan. It's actually, yeah, currently Hiroshima Prefecture. Again, kind of establishing this base of operations, like, and he was the one who built um, that great shrine at Miyajima. That's right. That's so that, right. That explains why this whole, where his association with that area. Yeah, he builds the shrine at uh, Itsukushima. Itsukushima, right. Um, <coughs> and uh, which you know becomes prominent later on, even in the Sengoku period. With uh, um, Morimoto. And is incidentally one of the most beautiful places I've ever visited in Japan. One of the three official most yeah. beautiful places in the it's, country. Um, it's 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 fantastic. Highly encourage going if you can. You know, and this also kind of we talked um, last podcast about how these the families, um, you know, the Fujiwara and the the Incho, the the imperial family headed by the retired emperor, um, kind of developed power blocks with the provinces, where there would be a block of provinces where they were responsible, you know, or they were had the authority to designate the governorships and would hand them out to people who they wanted to reward and who followed them. Um, well, we see this with the Taira. Developing this power block in the western provinces, uh, where they start to hold all the governorships mm-hmm. uh, and so forth, and, the, and and Aki is one of these provinces. So, like I said, uh, he succeeds to the headship of the Taira in 1153, and in 1156 we have a, a defining event which really shapes the way things develop over the next uh, 50 years, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the Hogan disturbance. And the Hogan disturbance. Was actually it was a it was a conflict uh, between an emperor and a retired emperor. 
where the uh, the the current emperor was Emperor Go Shirakawa, or Shirakawa, the, the, the later Shirakawa. Right. That's what the Go means. And the retired emperor, Sutoku. This is really kind of, as the power struggle in Kyoto has, has progressed, not only are they assigning military duties to uh, the uh, Zuryo officials out in the provinces, but they are also attracted, you know, the, the imperial family and also the, uh, the Fujiwara are attracting military, you know, people with military skill to them in the capital to serve as uh, either imperial guards or, or, or family guards. They're, they're building military forces around them in support of them. And this is really the first time that a military, you know, that a dispute breaks into, um, really breaks down into military action. Um, so this dispute between Emperor Go Shirakawa and, and uh, the retired Emperor Sutoku spills over into bloodshed. And supporting Emperor Go Shirakawa, you have Kiyomori. He's the primary backer. Mm-hmm. And then on uh, retired Emperor Sutoku's side, you have Minamoto Taneyoshi, who is the head of the, uh, the Minamoto clan at this time. And so it was Kiyomori's forces who defeat Minamoto Tamayoshi's forces. But it's uh, interesting to know, it's important to note this is not a Taira versus Minamoto fight. That's that, correct. In fact, Tamayoshi's son, uh, Yoshimoto, Yoshitomo, yeah. right? Yosh, Yoshitomo, Yoshitomo, yes. Was, um, in fact, uh, Minamoto no Tamayoshi's son, Yoshitomo, was siding, siding with um, Kiyomori. That's correct. And so both sides of the conflict have Taira, Minamoto, and Fujiwara people um, on, on each side. That's right. That's right. Tamayoshi is defeated. His son Yoshitomo is fighting for the winning side. What comes out of this, though, is that there's some um, some jealousy because Kiyomori, as the kind of the preeminent leader of the victorious forces, is rewarded by the uh, by Emperor Go Shirakawa inordinately, mm-hmm. at least according to the viewpoints of Yoshitomo and his supporters. So. It ends up, in 1156, you have the Hogan Disturbance, and for the next four years, there's a rivalry between these two. Right. Uh, and Yoshitomo and his supporters are very bitter that not only did you know his father die in this disturbance, uh, even though he uh, he was on the opposite side, you know, that's still a sure. traumatic event. Um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in addition to that, you know, here's Kiyomori being given an inordinate amount of reward uh, at least from their viewpoint. Right. So in, in 1160, there's a plot to eliminate Kiyomori, and this is headed by Yoshitomo. And the plot is unsuccessful. Yoshitomo loses. Yoshitomo is executed. And this is really where it becomes a Taira versus Minamoto contest right. in the sense that the overall clans are one against the other. It is still important to note, however, that these are very loose affiliations. Uh, as we go through the remainder of this century and look at the, you know, we'll, we'll say Taira versus Minamoto quite a lot. Uh, however, that doesn't mean that everybody who was familiarly connected to the Taira fought for the Taira and everybody who was familiarly connected to the Minamoto fought for the Minamoto. Right. There were Minamoto who fought on the Taira side, who were connected by you know, either vassalship bonds or economic bonds to the Taira. There were Taira who 
you know, we're connected to, uh, you know, Malta leadership, and uh, so it's it's not really as black and white, or I, I guess I should say as red and white as red uh, and white. as uh, as as it would appear. So it's a, like a true. Uh, civil war with brother against brother, the whole stereotypes of brother versus yes. brother, cousin yeah. versus cousin. Yes. And, meanwhile, and meanwhile, you have prominent members of the Fujiwara clan on both sides of the conflict. Exactly. Um, as well. Yes. So out of this, you know, uh, out of the results of the uh, the, the Heiji disturbance is was what the 1160 uh, contest between uh, Yoshitomo and, and Kiyomori is, is termed. Uh, Kiyomori becomes preeminent. He is... Uh, there, there's no military rival to him in the capital. And combined with his elevated rank that he already started out with, he, he really... There, we haven't seen anybody like this in the capital for at least several centuries who had a combination of the military rank, or of the military power, plus the court rank that Kiyomori has. Kiyomori is promoted to Sangi, which uh, is a counselor, uh, and is given third court rank. So he's moved up from the fifth at, uh, when he started right. all the way up to the third court rank. Now, this is significant because not only is it the highest achievement uh, by a member of the provincial aristocracy, uh, so he's crossed from the being provincial aristocracy into the inner sanctum of the uh, court nobility, right. but this is the rank at which he now is included in the upper ranks of the nobility. He has access to the policy councils. He has access to um, the titles that, that go with the upper level of court ranks. I mean, he is essentially now a member of the inner circle right. um, by being granted this. So he now you, he's now able to influence everything just as if he were one of the Fujiwara. And he proceeds to use this to dominate the court. He essentially out Fujiwara is the Fujiwara, so to speak. It's pretty much. By, you know, uh, Hall notes that, that at this point, by 1160, he's, he's no longer, you know, it's kind of improper to just look at him as, as, a, as a, a warrior chieftain or a, or a bushi. He is, he is a, by all accounts, a member of the Kuge, a member of the court nobility. Right. So he uses this to... Uh, pretty much do as the Fujiwara did to take control of provincial holdings of, of Shoen, um, eventually gaining proprietary control of 30 out of the 66 provinces. Um, he not only gains high government posts for himself, but he gains the ability to influence who is named to other posts, so then starts to have his followers and his family members named to posts, he intermarries with the imperial family. He's able to uh, have his daughter married to an emperor, mm-hmm. um, and so really, like we, like we said, he is using all this in the same manner that the Fujiwara did to to get his clutches onto every bit of government uh, that he can. Uh, he is eventually named the uh, Dajil Daijin, which or Prime Minister, right. uh, which was a f- prior to this was a Fujiwara only post. Uh, his son uh, becomes the Naidaijin, or the internal minister. Uh, he has 16 of his relatives who eventually become Kugyo, or the, the upper rank of the nobility. 30 other uh, relatives who become middle-ranked courtiers, so you know from 4th through, I think, 6th, I think. And then 60 
of his relatives that he's able to get named uh, to governorships or to head of the capital guards or similar posts. So what were the Fujiwara doing during all this? They must uh, have seen him as a threat. They did. But someone was bestowing all these titles on him they, and all of his friends. They did, but at the same time, they have no military power of their own, and the only military balance to him was the Minamoto, who had been destroyed, well, you know, effectively destroyed in 1160. Right, right. Maybe they were um, decimated nine-tenths uh, nine, nine percent. Yeah. No, they, they might kind of apply. That's right, that's Not right. Not literally. But that's, but. that's right. Uh, if they had a hundred, you know, hundred hit points to start out with, they they, they, were, they were down to ten <laughs> because because you needed to go regenerate. Because you're all you gamers out there. Because at the end of the Heiji incident in eleven sixty, it was not just Yoshitomo who was executed at Kiyomori's orders, but it was many of his sons as well. Right. His youngest sons, if I have this correct, you know, uh, were allowed to to survive and allowed to escape. And the moral of that story is. To make sure you kill make everybody. Make sure you kill everybody. Yeah. Um, but which we'll get to I actually later. I was wandering around Kyoto last summer and I happened upon a temple where uh, the where, where the where Yoshitsune and I don't know the youngest sons were, were hidden away by their mother for a very short while. Right. If, cool. Now if you read and and Travis I think mentioned last podcast the uh, Heike Monogatari. Right. Um, uh, which covers the events of this time. We're not going to get too much into the actual tactical specific yeah, that's, that's something like, for another podcast to, yeah we will cover that um, eventually uh, I'm sure presumably but, yeah um, but it, it, it's interesting how the son survived at least according to that what happens is uh, that uh, you know Kiyomori has Yoshitomo executed and then uh, takes a fancy to Yoshitomo's wife mm. and as condition for was that Tokiwa Gozen or am I mixing uh, i believe so, but I could be confused as well. Um, Sorry. So, anyway, so he takes a, a, a fancy to Yoshitomo's wife, and as, you know, one of the conditions to get her to uh, acquiesce to his advances is he leaves the her three sons uh, alive, who... and, and it, But they are, they are exiled uh, with the idea that, you know, if I separate them and send them out uh, to different locations and uh, put them closely monitored, then I don't have to worry about them growing up and seeking revenge. Well, we all kind of know how Yeah, we all know that how that happens. story always goes. Um, <laughs> Oops. But, yeah, these sons, of course, become, uh, you know, Yoritomo, uh, and Yoshitsune. Yoshitsune, and Noriyoshi. Right. So... Ah, uh, Noriyoshi, the, 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 the poor third yeah, son. The poor third <laughs> son who always gets forgotten. Yeah. Um, See, you know that when it's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking of you know, I immediately came up with uh, the first two and then it's like I thought there was another one. <laughs> well what's what's funny is a lot of people, you know, they just might know the name Yoshinaka and assume that he was a, a son as well, but he was not. He was uh, yeah, a distant cousin yeah, uh, from uh, Shinano province. Yeah. So But Noriyoshi goes and does important work in Kyushu, you know. And Yeah, Noriyoshi And is, we forget is, about him. Is, <laughs> <laughs> is a pretty significant part of the the whole Genpei War, but yeah, you know, he's not quite the romantic story that Yoshitsune is, and right. he doesn't found his own government like Yoritomo does. Right. Anyway. But anyway, going back to Taira Kiyomori, I mean, we 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 see all these efforts that he has to put relatives into high high um, places and to to basically become you know the new Fujiwara clan. And the high point of this is that in 1180, uh, his grandson, 
uh, at the age of two, the ripe old age of two, right. uh, ascends to the throne as the Emperor Antoku. Right. Uh, so he really, I mean, he really does use the Fujiwara model of marrying his daughter to an emperor, you know, and then his grandson is placed on the throne as, as the emperor. Uh, so he has the, the maternal grandfatherly role of, of, you know, ancestor to an emperor. Poor Antoku. Um, right. Now, Chris, you mentioned, um, you know, what are the Fujiwara doing at, at, at this time or, you know, or... or they fighting all this? The answer is yes. Uh, right, right. Along with, uh, even though he supported Goshirakawa in the uh, the Hogan uh, incident, you know Goshirakawa uh, at this time. Goshirakawa was kind of a wily, you know, wily cat. He 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 was not. He was no dummy. He wasn't taking this whole thing um, down. Yes, and he eventually, through you know, for various reasons, and you know, we're not going to go quite into all the details, but. You know, Kiyomori was not exactly a uh, the most uh, political, politically uh, adept person in in some ways. He, he gathered all his power, but he he certainly made his share of enemies along the way, uh, and uh, and frankly pissed people off with a lot of. A lot so of he, had, he, he had political skills, but no diplomatic skills. I, <laughs> yes, I mean you know, there's one pie. And as the Taida are expanding their piece of the pie, you know, somebody's losing out on pie. Uh, and that somebody was the retired emperors and the, uh, you know, the imperial family. And, All of this talk of pie is making me really hungry. I haven't had lunch yet. <sighs> somebody's not prepared for the podcast now, are they? <laughs> somebody's taking all my pie. <laughs> it's Kiyomori. Hi, my name is Daniel O'Grady, and I'm the creator of the Japanese Castle Explorer website. And if you find yourself on the internet with some moments to spare, I recommend you come and have a look. There's information, pictures and maps of over 130 of Japan's castles. To find us, just enter Japanese Castle Explorer into your favorite search engine. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, so come and say hi. See ya! This is Himiko, and you're listening to the Samurai Arcos podcast. So anyway, so Goshiokawa starts um, scheming behind the scenes, and uh, eventually, uh, between that and uh, you know, Kiyomori uh, has also pissed off the uh, the temples by burning. He burns Miidera, Todaiji, and Kofukuji. Now, Kofukuji is also the, uh, if you'll remember, is the the family temple of the Fujiwara clan. So oh, they're right. not happy with him as well. Right. So um, it, it, eventually, it reaches a point where there's enough dissatisfaction with Kiyomori and and his uh, dictatorial ways that uh, there's a a rebellion against him. Uh, and the figurehead for this is uh, Prince Mochihito, mm-hmm. uh, one of the sons of. Uh, retired Emperor Goshiakawa, and he sends out a call to the provinces to rise up against uh, the Taira clan. Now, he this is quickly put down in the capital, because nobody in the capital, uh, I believe, uh, you know, he's supported in the, ca- uh, Mochihito is supported in the capital by uh, Minamoto Yorimasa, but they are quickly put down, if, if you read about the Genpei War, you'll, you'll see uh, First Battle of Uji. Um, right. The 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 Taira basically crushed the rebellion inside the capital very quickly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, however, this supposed call for uh, the country to rise up against the Taita goes out, and we see in the Kanto area Minamoto Yoritomo, who by this point has come of age, right. decides to that this is his his moment to uh, restore the fortunes of the Minamoto clan, and so he raises a bank. Um, so at the same time, uh, Minamoto Yoshinaka, uh, who is a distant cousin, decides the same thing in Shinano province and uh, raises his banner. And, and these two uh, begin to put together forces to uh, challenge the uh, the Taira. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, is fighting the monks from Miidera and all the other people that he's he's pissed off and he decides to go and burn Nara to the ground. Right. So because that, that 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 that'll make, you know, people like him more. For further, yeah. <laughs> further ingratiating himself to everybody in the uh, the capital region. It's it's hard uh, not being really, you know, a scholar that focuses on the, on this area. Um I, I don't really know a lot of the um the ins and outs of it, but if yeah, you read the the the, 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 the Heike <laughs> You know, of course, it's the literary tale of the destruction of, of the, the Taira, Taira clan, right. the the rise and fall of uh, Taira Kiyomori, and he's painted as this character who, you know, rises, uh, but yet through his hubris, you know, destroys himself. And uh, but you really get this sense that towards the end of his life, I mean, he the power really got to him. He really just went insane and started doing things that that didn't really help his cause. Kind of like uh, Hideyoshi. Uh, kind of like Hideyoshi. Or yeah. Nobunaga, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, okay, so Kiyomori dies in 1181. Mm-hmm. And his sons, who take over after him, really do not have the same leadership skill that he does. A, l- a lot of the Taira Rise was centered on the personality of Kiyomori. So once he dies, the Taira really suffer after that to the point where they don't last another four years. They're, by 1183, they're driven out of the capital, and uh, in 1185, they're completely destroyed in the Battle of Dandoura, right. uh in the Shimonoseki Strait, where the emperor, the child emperor Andoku, you know, sinks beneath the waves, and we have this big dramatic... Uh, the Imperial Regalia and everything else. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, you have the whole... Everybody singing about it and... No plays. Oh, yeah, lots for, of very for dramatic, years to come. Absolutely. Um, and then all the Heike warriors who fall to the bottom become crabs. Become crabs, right. Yes. Uh, and then they come back as ghosts to fight Benkei and Yoshitsune in the Kabuki plays. It's, it's all it's all very good times. I wish Joseph was here because actually I was thinking about the loss of uh, the sword at Danora and I randomly came across a reference to the sword actually being lost much, much earlier and replaced in like the 8th century or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think I read that too. Where basically, whatever was lost at Don Nauda was was basically a copy anyway, so it really didn't matter. But I, I don't remember exactly where I read that. But it doesn't matter. Everyone believes that we still have three. I went to Asta Shrine last summer. They let you see it. They let you hold it. No, but <laughs> they let me go to the shrine and you know claim that that was the place where it's held. So that's good enough. Yeah. That place is overrun with crows. There are like tons and tons of them. It's it's overrun with people on on uh, Hatsumote. So. Well, yes, I haven't been anywhere from Hatsumote. <laughs> yet. Uh, that's that's I've I've done that 
once when I, I was thinking a student of, yeah. at Asta Jingo. So I was thinking of going to. Uh, I did not chant any no verses though. <laughs> I was thinking of going to uh, what's it called um, Hachimangu in in uh, Kamakura mm. from Hatsumote, which would have been awesome, but I never ended up going. Yeah, I've been there. They do a um, complete. We're completely getting off topic, but that's okay because it's, it's semi-related. Um, but uh, the Hachimangu and uh, the Tsurugaoka Hachimangu in Kamakura, the family temple of the Minamoto clan. Absolutely. Every year uh, they do, uh, I forget, don't ask me uh, what specific time of year it is, I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say November, uh, like around Bunkanohi. Um, they do a uh, Yabusame tournament. Right, yes. And it is fantastic, it is, it is awesome. Yeah, so, for anyone who doesn't know, is uh, firing arrows from horseback. Yes, they, mounted archery. They gallop by and uh, shoot arrows from horseback at targets lining the uh, the, yeah. the the course there, uh, and uh, it, it's 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 a good time. It's it's very interesting. So I went uh, probably I think it was two thousand four. I went and saw it. So of right. course, the best place if you're going to go and chant no verses is um, I'm blanking on the name, but that. That, that park in northern Kyoto where uh, where they have a shrine dedicated to Nobunaga mm-hmm. yeah 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 I see I, I brought up Atsuta because that's um, where he stopped after at Kyosu chanting no uh-huh. on, he stopped at Atsuta and prayed before going and destroying Imagawa Yoshi uh, Yoshimoto where the legend says he, he flipped a coin and said if it's heads we win tails we lose and it came up heads and surely they won but it turns out later on he showed his vassal Double-headed coin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's According a, to legend. Yeah. I'm probably bringing the name of that hill, but anyway, there's a stone there with the whole verse from Atsumori written out uh, on it. Yeah. Anyway, right? So that brings us to you know the end of the Tarda and brings us to the Minamoto clan, who, as I said, uh, was led by uh, Yoritomo right. uh, when he raises his banners against the Tarda in 1180. Now, according to uh, Hall, anyway, uh, his initial goal really was not necessarily to establish a government or, or anything like sure. that. It was simply to uh, revive the fortunes of the Minamoto House and uh, free the eastern provinces of Taida control. Sure. And Hall contrasts him with the Taida in the sense that they come to power by exactly opposite means. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Taida... Receive, you know, start with working their way into the court and getting titles and getting uh, uh, official positions, and then they're thereby using that to award themselves and their followers lands and so forth uh, and gain military prestige. Yoritomo didn't have any of the official position or titles to start with. He simply had his name as the as the head of the Minamoto yeah as the head of the Minamoto clan. Yeah, and he had his and he had the military power to then. Go and, and gain. Right, because he's yeah. the head of the Minamoto clan, and everybody's unhappy with the Taida. They, they, you know, you're look if if you're a, a, a bushi, you're a warrior at this time period, and well, I don't like what the Taida is doing because you know I'm not benefiting from it. We've got the Minamoto, you know, this Yoritomo guy over here. I'll let me go, let me go work for him, or let me go uh, throw yeah. my lot in with him. So he, maybe he'll give me something, right? Hand. You know, let's um, like Yoshiya did. Right, so so you have he he really he benefits by the fact that he, he's the the leader of the, the Minamoto. Nobody likes the Taida at this point anymore. 
nobody outside the title likes the title at this point anymore. So he's really the only option for resistance to the title. Mm. So people start to flock to him as as the as this focus of, of resistance, and he, he builds his power base. Now, we're not going to go into necessarily the specifics of the Genpei War, but it's in, important to note that he doesn't just immediately go charging after the Taira and, 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 right. and fight them. There is a, a battle at Fujigawa uh, early on where the Taira defeated pretty, pretty uh, handily. Pretty handily um, but you know, he doesn't then follow that up with a march on, on Kyoto. That, that comes, but that's actually initially done by Yoshinaka. Right, uh, Yoshinaka out of, takes out of Shinano. Uh, out of uh, Shinano. Yoritomo essentially spends the entire war in the Kanto. Right. And what he's doing at this time is building up his legitimacy and power base. He's letting his subordinates, his brothers and Yoshinaka, do the actual fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's building up the Minamoto power. And the way he does this is, because he has no no title, no official sanction, no um, all he has really initially to cling on to is this call to... Rise up and smite the Taira from right. the imperial uh, from Prince uh, Mochihito. From Prince Mochihito, he he uses that as his legitimacy, and he builds his base um, by binding the provincial warriors to him as his own retainers, his gokinin, right. uh, which is where we see the the, the uh, Chris alluded to before. I, I think the shift from the Uji. To, to the K, right? The uh, the house, the, yeah. the house. From, right? From the the sort of the clans that are held together by blood to the sort of the right the house, the, right. the clans, right? Of the, 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 the later periods. Um, and you know, we we see the continuation of what we talked about last podcast with Yoshie, um, where service was rendered in return for material benefit. We have you know the the, the start of this feudal arrangement. Uh, so to speak, uh, Yoritomo essentially takes this and builds it over the entire Kanto, where the warrior families of the Kanto, some of which were actually of Taira descent, uh, most notably the Hojo clan, who becomes kind of his right hand. Right. Uh, he binds them together through his through this uh, granting of uh, or confirming their land holdings. You know, this creates a personal and not official uh, relationship mm-hmm. with with his subordinates. Um, it's it's not because he's given this title or, or whatever. It's you know, this is the guy who's going to guarantee that I receive my income from my land. So he builds this up. He creates his own uh, sort of government, so to speak, uh, in the sense of he creates a samurai dokoro or a, a board of retainers. Uh, he appoints shugo or military deputies to the provinces in the Kanto um, as he's building this power base. And in some ways, this mimics kind of what we saw with the Fujiwara family having its own family internal bureaucracy. Right. Um, he, however... And having all these shonen to, to divvy out. Right. He, yeah. he, he, however, applies this to his power base that he's building in the Kanto. As the war progresses against the Taira, and the Taira are defeated, and Taira adherents pushed out of areas. He then now has land to distribute, you know, additional lands to distribute to his followers, and does so. You know, they they defeat the Taira uh, and push them out of an area, and then this, this land is divvied up uh, amongst his Gokanin, his retainers, 
his followers. And so this is how he builds his, his, his power base. And then it's only after he has this power base that we see him going to the court and getting titles, getting office that confirms uh, his status. So, mm-hmm. so really it is the exact opposite of how Kiyomori builds his, his power base. Uh, he, he ends up being the kokoshu or the proprietor for nine Kanto provinces and seven others in the region, essentially giving him administrative control over the Kanto, the Tokai, and the Tozan areas. After the Taira are defeated, he's given, the, uh, as a reward by the court, uh, he's given initially the title of Sol Shugo, or Chief of the Military Governors, and Sol Jito, or Chief of the Land Stewards. The Jito were the stewards on the Shoen who were responsible for tax collection and making sure it got to uh, the proprietors. Right. So, essentially, he has been given control. He, he is given control by the court as a reward of all the estate managers and all the military governors of the entire nation. <clears throat> and so now everything flows up to him. Right. So, so while he still isn't necessarily, I mean, he's not given um, yep. at this point. He's not given court titles like like, like uh, yeah, like, you know, like, like Daijo Daiji or something like that. He's actually given something that's much more useful, valuable yeah. <laughs> uh, in the long term because it it's directly in charge of the economic base of the country. Yeah, but it's not quite as um, right uh, pretty on the surface. He's also in position with these titles to give stewardships to his followers. So he can then place his uh, direct retainers, people who are loyal personally to him, as the Shugo or the Jito in provinces around the country where they then have access to the economic you know, the economic base of right. that area. And he, so he, this gives him a lot of power. Um, he's also given the title of So Tsuibushi which, if you remember from our, our, our last podcast, we talked about the Tsuibushi being one of the uh, the, the, the military the police, police titles right. uh, <clears throat> responsible for law enforcement. So he is given the right of perse- of prosecution uh, for crimes across the country. So essentially, all these tasks are being delegated by the court to him, uh, giving him complete control over land distribution, Taxation and prosecution of criminal activity, and all that also comes with just a, a huge basic right. military power. G- giving him, uh, a- and this gives him a network across the country for national control. Now, this doesn't displace the civilian framework. This doesn't get rid of the provincial governors and so forth. But it gives uh, uh, it gives Yoritomo a personal representative in every province of the country. So, at, at, by 1192, uh, he's given the, you know, famously given the title of Sei Tai Shogun, uh, abbreviated, you know, Shogun by most people. And and that's when we can definitively say the Kamakura Bakufu uh, begins with him as the, the national head. Right. Um, and we'll, we'll cover further in... Um, in, in later podcasts, as we get into the Kamakura era, what all this entails and, and so forth. But um, to just kind of sum up, you know, now we see uh, 
you know, we, we talked in previous podcasts, you know, with, with, with Joseph here and, and so forth about the the creation of the external, you know, non Taiho, uh, non Nuritsuryo uh, code uh, organizations and structures to administer the government. And this is really kind of the culmination of that in the formation of a Bakufu responsible for national uh, security, national police enforcement, and national handling of taxation and land rights. Right, which is also a total departure from the previous, uh, the codes and everything that was imported from China originally. Right, but right. So, um, I it, think it, that, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, the, the, one of the key things that this development represents is that even though um, we have to remember that Kyoto, Heian, will, rem- will remain the imperial capital for the next 700 years, right? Uh, the better part of the next 700 years, but... Um, from now on, from 1192 up until that point, up until 1868, it's pretty much warrior rule or no rule, and the imperial, the imperial family, the, the imperial court will never have the power again, as much power as it did prior to this. Right. We really go from, and, and it, it's, it's interesting, and we'll, um, I'm sure, have you know subsequent podcasts on this, but um, Goshirakawa kind of, kind of. Kind of looks like a, a unfortunate figure to me, at least, because you know here he is. He's he he's dealing with trying to get rid of warrior rule and Taidaki Omori, and his only recourse is to use the Minamoto to do so. And he ends up ha- having to give them even more power right. than uh, you know uh, Kiyomori had. Right. So it, it's it, it's interesting, and it's a very fascinating time period that I'm sure. In, in, We'll, we'll get to in further detail. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's like you, s- you see earlier, uh, the court, you always have the court, and you have any time anyone decides to rise up against the court, there's someone else who's, who's willing to fight on the court's behalf. Right. But it isn't until this point where finally someone, the, these provincial warriors get enough power to actually take over. Yes, yes. And, but it is important to note that um, Yoritomo goes to great lengths to make sure that everything that he does is cloaked in legitimacy from the court. Oh, sure. Uh, and even though, even though prior to um, 1183, he's he's declared a rebel by Goshirakawa twice. <laughs> um, but you know, since he's the only viable alternative to Taira, the to Taira rule, you know that doesn't hold uh, for very long, and he's eventually given uh, all all these powers. What 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 you see is because he develops. Because it doesn't just go charging into into Kyoto and try to replicate what the Taira are doing, but builds his power base and he builds this national network um, like he does. Goshirakawa has no choice uh, but to concede that and legitimize it, right? And legitimize. I mean, he's he, you know when the Taira rise to power, they have the court has the Minamoto that they can you know even though. At the time, they were kind of spread out and, 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 and younger. You know, they do at least have something that they can turn to to try and kind of counter the Taira's power. Sure. Once the Taira are eliminated, there's That's no one it. but the Minamoto. So you 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 now have you know you've you've opened the box to get rid of one evil, but now this this other evil is is uh, uh, it's preeminent, and you, and you you can't control it. You've got nothing left to. To uh, keep it on a leash. So, but you did mention uh, Yoritomo still used the court and the emperor to yes. legitimize his own rule. Yes, and this precedent is basically set from this point onward, all the way through the Meiji period, where, or to the you know at least to the start of the, 
to the end of the Edo period, uh, where you have, even in the, the, the height of the Sengoku period, where no one's in control, Nobunaga still goes to Kyoto, gets legitimacy from oh, right. the emperor directly. Uh-huh. Right, right. And, and as, you know, uh, again, we, we've seen, uh, the, you know, this even uh, before this, where, you know, the Fujiwara did not overthrow the imperial family, even though they probably at times had more power than the imperial family. They used... Uh, uh, the imperial family to their own benefit. They, they're working within the system, so to speak, even if even while you're changing the system. Well, yeah, um, they, they created the system, so they, yeah, <laughs> they had no problems working within. They, uh, um, yeah, so it, so it, it's a continuation on this theme, and 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 it it uh, uh, continues on, like Chris said, uh, through the end of the Edo and into the Meiji period, and. You could even push it all the way through World War II with the emperor being the figurehead of the military. Sure, sure. And it's important to note that it's easy to to think, oh, well, now that now there's a shogun and and a a bakufu, so the emperors were, you know, the imperial family had no and the court had no no power from this point forward, and and that's not true. No, of course, there Um, were much. Yeah, yeah. This is this is simply the beginning of the process. The the first identifiable point of warrior control and, and power. Right. Um, and, and there will be times when the uh, when the imperial power, you know, sort of ebbs again, like in right. 1333. Right. right. No. Yes. 13, yeah, 1330, um, 1333, yeah. with the fall of Kamakura. Godaigo, that's Yeah, it. Godaigo was the Kemu restoration where he leads the rebellion against uh, Kamakura. Right. Uh, and Kamakura eventually falls and... and uh, you know, there's a brief span of time where Godaigo uh, and the the uh, as the emperor rules again, as opposed to simply reigning. He's probably the last emperor to ever really right fight, right or or and um, I guess to have the resources to have the ability to fight. And it, it you know we'll we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. We get we'll get it. there. Yeah. This is um this is this is an ongoing process. This is this is the beginning of it where you have court versus warrior. Uh, rule and gradually, as we go through the Kamakura period and then into the Muromachi period, the the imperial control fades. It's much more gradual than than a lot of people think. Where until eventually in the Muromachi period, um, we've got full warrior rule, mm-hmm. uh, and then to get kind of go, you know, through the looking glass, the sh- the shogunate itself becomes. Almost a symbol and is is manipulated by you know just like the imperial government oh, yeah. as the, the 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 shogunate is manipulated and becomes kind of a a scarecrow for uh, different power brokers and, and so forth. But straw man, yeah. We we will yeah straw man yeah it's, that's the word. We'll get into that in future podcasts, of course. Okay, so that covers it for this podcast. So next podcast we'll cover the Kamakura period and. So, hope you enjoyed it, and this is Chris, Nate, and Travis coming to you from the freezing Samurai Kai studio at the University of Hawaii, and until next time. Yeah, he's not kidding. It's like... It's like 45 degrees. 45 degrees in this room. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Fahrenheit. (laughs) Fahrenheit, yeah. All right. That's a wrap.